Today's passage is from Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Well, that's a way uh, to end (laughs) the scripture reading. Well, good morning to you, uh, church. This is the sermon I prepared originally for January 1st, uh, the Sunday that I was sick. Uh, so I was hoping to have this uh, kickstart uh, our, our, our new year, and I think it's still applicable for us, and it's still relevant for us as we're a couple weeks in into, into the new year here. Because as we start the new year, what are, what's, an off, what's often a phrase that we hear, it's, New year, new you, right? That's the phrase that we hear. And maybe that's true. New year, new opportunities, uh, uh, fresh opportunities and and new adventures await us uh, for the rest of this year. And those are the words that resound for many across the world in January. And as we're a couple weeks in now, it's interesting that I'm sharing this message now, uh, not on January 1st, but January 15th. Well, how has it been going for you in terms of the, some of the resolutions that you set for this year? What goals have you set for this new year? How are they going? Uh, we also know, and I know this firsthand, that there's a bit of a problem with the goals that we set, don't we? Uh, we know that because often we don't reach them, and <laughs> we fall short of them, and we, we don't, uh, the, the full potential of the goals that we set never come into actualization. And it's interesting because according to Forbes uh, magazine, 80% of New Year resolution goals never come into fruition. And they cite three reasons, and some of these New Year resolution goals are some of these common ones that are broken, uh, get fit, quit smoking, learn something new, eat healthier and diet, get out of debt and save money. Spend more time with family, travel to new places, volunteer more, drink less, be less stressed. And maybe some of them are on your list as well. But according to Forbes, 80% of New Year resolution goals never come into fruition. Well, why? Well, number one, they say in this article, it's your consciousness that needs to change before your behavior can change. Number two, you don't have the accountability structure to help you sustain the change that you're looking for. Or number three, you're actually scared of and completely resistant to achieving this big goal to begin with. You actually never really wanted to accomplish the goal that you set out in the beginning. And why am I starting off with this? Well, today I actually don't want to talk to you about New Year resolution goals at all. But 
I believe that they're so much, they're so uh, ingrained in us in the new year that we set these new goals and these new visions and these new inspirations for the year. And I don't want to talk about goals. I actually want to talk about the why behind we set a goal or why do we, uh, how, how, why do we do what we do in life and how we do what we do in life. Because I don't believe Jesus, he's interested in mere behavioral change, just changing on what's on the outside. He's interested on, in the heart and what the change is on the inside. I want to talk to you about why you do what you do. And I, want, I would argue that our why for setting these goals to begin with may be the why you're not, uh, or the why you're having issues right now in accomplishing them. That it all begins with the heart, all begins with our why and with our purposes. And today as I talk about purpose and the reason for having a purpose, which is a, a, a topic that our ECC, our leadership has discerned through, uh, which by the way, our prayer, uh, our retreat is next weekend, so our leadership will be away, uh, which is why we have uh, Alex Poon, is a great speaker from uh, RCAC coming. And then the week after, I'm preaching at another, uh, I'm guest preaching at another church, so uh, Pastor Kim, uh, Kimberly Lamb, which uh, who we've had before will be here uh, sharing the pulpit here. Uh, but I've been reading. Uh, I got this gift a couple days ago on my, on my birthday uh, from my brother and sister-in-law called The Sabbath Practice by Practicing the Way. And I, what I'm hoping for today as we're going through uh, this topic of why we need a purpose and the, re- the purpose for having a purpose, it's not just about goal setting. It's not just about doing more things. It's not just about accomplishing and crushing your goals for 2023. Uh, I mean, I'll read a little excerpt excerpt, uh, in the beginning here. Uh, The end goal of Sabbath is not to say, I practice Sabbath. It's to apprentice under Jesus, to become a person who is marked by an inner spirit of restfulness and who is calm, at ease in their own body, unhurried, kind, and present. You'll become aware of what God is doing around you, sincerely grateful, emotionally healthy, and delighted by the goodness of your life with God. A person who is like a rock in a sea of chaos, unmoved by the overwork, overconsumption, and overactivity of our host culture. And that's my prayer and hope for us this morning as well. It's not to say we crush the goals or, hey, I understand why I have a purpose now. It's actually to be closer to God. It's to experience Jesus more in your everyday as you live out your purposes, as you understand what God is calling you to do and what he's calling you to be. In the words of St. Augustine of, of Hippo, he says this, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And what if we started off the new year in that way, not with pursuing more and doing more things, but being closer with God, where our hearts can f- truly find the rest that it needs? Could it be that we have been restless because we've been trying to find a rest in something else or in someone else? I want us to align with God's why this morning. Uh, boring language from Simon Sinek, start with your why. Well, why? I want us to align ourselves not with our own why or what society says is important, but with God's why this morning. When you, and when you do, perhaps you'll have the sense of purpose that you've been looking for and you've been longing for, that your soul so desperately needs. And my hope is that you would leave with a strong sense of God's purpose in your life, whatever shape uh, and form that may take. And a big idea for us this morning is this. You were created on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose. That your life is meant to be purposeful. That we're never meant to just cruise through life aimlessly, 
but you were created on purpose for a purpose and with a purpose. And what's this purpose? Well, our purpose ultimately is to live out God's purposes in our lives. And you're like, wow, Doug, that's good for you. That sounds great, but that doesn't really align with what I'm experiencing. How can that be a good thing? Just aligning myself with God's purpose for us. Well, have you ever witnessed someone doing something really, really well? Like that's their craft and that's what they were created to do. And it's like poetry in motion, like someone shooting a basket or a race car driver being in tune with the race car or an athlete with whatever tool they have or are an artist painting or sculpting or musician singing and creating. Like there's some, some beauty in that when someone or something is doing something that they're really good at. And there's beauty in seeing something do or someone do what they're made to do, right? There's a beauty in that. As I was saying, it's kind of poetry in motion. And it's important for us to understand that you have a God-given purpose as well. And when we align ourselves with that purpose, with God's will for your life, that's poetry in motion right there. That's when your soul finds rest doing what, it was, what you, you were meant to do in line with God's own heartbeat, with the Creator's heartbeat uh, himself. And it's important to understand this because when we don't, on the flip side, this can play out in two ways. And these are the two big problems that we experience ultimately. One, we work so hard to achieve what we think is our purpose that we end up attributing our worth to whatever that activity is, fill in the blank. Or two, the other end is that we don't care about having a purpose at all. And we live through life without conviction, without direction. I'm just here and I'm just alive and I'm just consuming oxygen. Uh, that's the flip side. That's, and both of them, it's not a good way, a very empowering way, a very godly way of living out our lives. And in the passage today, we see, ultimately, what we see is the security. Like the security in, in Christ that a believer has in their life. We see what the new life in Christ looks like when someone decides to trust their whole life in Christ they end up being raised with Christ and seated with Christ on the throne. And we live this life that is, that's not only godly, but in tune and in line with our creator. See, in chapter 1, uh, Ephesians, out of all of Paul's letters, if you can choose a favorite, if I'm allowed to choose a favorite, Ephesians <laughs> is my favorite. Uh, I've shared this before where uh, it was seminal in terms of my, uh, of my calling into the pastorate, into discovering my purpose and, and discovering God's will for my life. And in chapter 1, if you get a chance to read it, in chapter 1, Paul, he, he lays the foundation for how all of us, we've been truly blessed with every spiritual blessing. Any spiritual blessing you could name, God has already given it to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And then the passage today in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, it can be broken down into three sections. And in the first section here, in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, we see how the sin, what went terribly wrong is there's a sin that's going on in our life. And this sin, it works against us. Why we do what we do not want to do and why we don't do what we should do, as Paul says in other parts of his letters as well, that this passage speaks about the terrible spiritual situation that we're found, we find ourselves in. And when we do the things that we're not meant to do. Paul says we're dead in our transgressions and we're dead in our sins. And when we follow, when we're, we're dead in our transgressions and sins, we follow the ways and the patterns of this world. And when we follow the ways of the world, we end up gratifying the desires of our own flesh. Like what we desire, what we want, we just succumb to them and we follow them 
uh, because they feel good. They make us feel powerful. They make us feel significant. And, and we do that. But ultimately, at the end of it all, it leaves us feeling empty. That's verses 1 to 3. That's my short little sermon uh, on that. That sin ultimately works against us. It doesn't actually push us in the direction we want to go. And then in verses 4 to 9, we see how even though sin works against us, God, he actually works for us. God works for us. We, we see how it's because of God's great love for us that we are made alive in Christ. How many of us know that we are so loved by God? That God loves us, that he is wanting to be with you, that our Heavenly Father, our Creator God loves you. He's proud of you. He wants to sit with you. He wants to be involved in your life. And because of that, we're made alive. We're made alive in Christ. Paul says at the end of verse 5 that it is by grace you have been saved. And then again in verse 8, he repeats that, reminding us that this relationship and the salvation we have with God, it's ultimately a gift. It's a gift from God. We see how God is kind and generous to us, and we see this through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. And then we come to verse 10, which is mainly my focus today. The rest of the sermon is going to be on this. Uh, then we come to Ephesians 2.10, where I want to spend our time just focusing not on how the sin it works against us, not only how God is working for us, but we'll see how God is working in us, and through us that ultimately helps us to understand and see the purpose he has for you, maybe for the rest of 2023 as well. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Two truths here. Uh, we see two truths right here in this one verse. We are God's handiwork. In other words, God works in us as he created us we're also created to do good works which god prepared in advance for us where we see that god works through us and the first point here is that god he works in us we're god's handiwork created in christ we have purpose simply because god created us to have purpose because you've been created there's a purpose for his creation and in his creation and do you pick that up in the passage here i don't have it up here but if you see it right in uh, right in verse 10 in the beginning, do you pick up Paul's, uh, uh, what he's trying to drop down for us, what he's trying to lay down for us, what, what he's trying to communicate to us through Scripture here? Do you pick up, the, pick up how we're God's handiwork, which speaks about creation, but then Paul repeats the idea again saying we're created, he uses the idea of creation again in Christ. That creation, it's the beginning here of our lives, that there's a purpose for us being created. And the word for handiwork here can also be translated as workmanship, as it's seen in the ESV, or as masterpiece in the New Living Translation. But I like Eugene Peterson's translation. He says this, He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. In other words, God created us to join him in his work of creating as well. This speaks to the purpose that we have, that we're not just accidents, uh, we're not just uh, mistakes in this universe, though some of us may feel that way. 
That God has every intention, every purpose for us. I was watching an Instagram short story, uh, just speaking as a parody in our times, and there's a, a person with a bunch of cookies, or was it muffins? I can't remember. That's beside the point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's a bunch of cookies on a plate, and, he, and then the, he, he goes up to this person and says, hey, would you like some cookies? And then the person responds, well, who, oh, yeah, this smells delicious. Who baked the cookies? How dare you say there's a baker? How dare you assume that someone baked up these cookies? How did you not know that the wind didn't just come upon, <laughs> come upon this place and blew, uh, blew the ingredients all together? And then there's a heat wave like we just experienced and baked. It's a joke, okay, going together. But kind of speaks into our time in terms of purpose and creation and how there is a God. But here Paul lays down right away that God, he created. Because God creates there is a purpose, and the most beautiful, uh, it's most beautiful when we align ourselves with God's purposes in our lives. And why all this talk about creating, and why does Peterson talk about creation? I think he picks up on the Greek word for handiwork, or masterpiece, or workmanship here, which is poema, which is the word, where, which is the Greek word uh, where we get the word, our English word, poem from. That's where we get poem from. And a poem, what is a poem? It's a work of creation, right? It's a work of art. When we speak of a poem, it's the act of creating, and creating is, is, is intentional. When you create something, it's carefully made. It's not haphazardly put together. It's careful. In fact, we're reminded of Paul's other letters in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we're all new creations as well in God. We're all new creations where God continues to work in us and through us. And some of us, that's what you needed to hear this morning. I don't know what you struggle with, but some of us needed to hear that this morning. That we need to embrace the way that we have been made. That we need to embrace and be at peace and be content with the way that we've been made. Maybe it's our personalities. Maybe it's our own quirks. And maybe it's our own giftings. Maybe it's the way we look. But we need to be at peace with the way that we've been made because the way you've been made is the way that God has made you. And our God and our creator is purposeful and, and, and intentional. And I'm not saying we, we shouldn't grow. And I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to be more like Christ in the everyday. But we shouldn't be going into the ways of the world and what the world calls us and how the world calls us to be better. To be better doesn't mean to do more or to earn more or to... Be more, to be better in the Christian sense is to be closer to Christ, to understand Him, understand His calling in our lives. A few, a few years back, I got a call, and it was a friend of mine that I picked up. I could hear the panic in his voice, and I knew right away that was bad news, and, he, and I knew that they were expecting a child at that moment, and they gave me a call and said, Doug, we need you at the hospital right now. And uh, we just lost our kid, and uh, we just need uh, someone to be there right now. And it was a premature baby. And when I visited uh, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the maternity ward there, as the two parents were around their, their, their uh, premature born son uh, who didn't make it, and the fragile uh, size of no bigger than my palm, as I'm just sitting there uh, with the parents, just in tears, no words really came to me at the moment, except for Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14, that says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
as I read that, the tears were sobbing. I couldn't even make it through those verses, and all of us were, were sobbing, and they're believers, and we're just praying, just knowing, and having faith that this child of them, even though we never got to, I never got to know him, that God knows him, and that God loves him, and that God created him. Some of us need to hear that this morning, that some of us aren't content with us and how we are, but our God, he loves you, he created you, he knows you, and that you are exactly how God has made you to be. The strangeness in all. <laughs> the strange facts about you, your little quirks, the little jokes that you have, the way that you live, God knows it all. And your purpose ultimately isn't defined by the ways of the world, yet we get in trouble because we forget that and we let the world define us. Our purpose ultimately is not found in the world. Our purpose is found in in God. And as Swiss theologian and priest Hans Urs van Balthasor, that's a tongue twister, once wrote, he was a, quite a, a prominent theologian in the 1900s. He says this What you are is God's gift to you. What you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. In your life, as you embrace the way that God's created you to be, as you run your own race, as you live the life that God has marked out for you, as you do that, you become this beautiful offering, this fragrant offering to God as you live out the life that he has made, uh, called you to live. As God works in us, as you live that out, that is a beautiful offering to our Lord. And as his creation, we're called to be part of the creating too. I love that, that God, our creator, he chooses to use us to be part of the creating in this world. And if we pay close enough attention and every single day, every single day, what you're called to do isn't going to school, isn't attending to your family, it isn't going to your job or your work, whatever task it is, though we need to do those things, there's actually a deeper purpose and a meaning in all of that. God is using you in those places in even deeper ways than you could ever think or imagine. This morning we were in community learning and we just were talking about how as the church, as the people of God, we're meant, we're meant, God created us to exist not just for ourselves, but really for the goodness of society as well. For the flourishing of the people that we encounter in the context in our culture as well. That as a church, we don't just exist here to bless ourselves and each other, but to be a blessing to our community to, for the flourishing for all that we encounter. What if we go into our, our jobs, into our families, into our wherever context to bring this joy, to bring the fruits of the Spirit into those places. Could it be that that's God working in us to transform those around us? Because secondly, we'll see as well that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have purpose not only because God works in us, but God also works through us. That every single day, God works through us. And every time I try to imagine and understand this, I come to the, I'm floored by this truth that God, the creator, the father of all things, that created the whole, whole universe, everything that we see, everything that we don't see even, chooses to use us. He chooses to use us. This Try to get our minds around that. Like God that doesn't need anything or anyone chooses. He chooses to use us to further his kingdom, to do his good work. You see, because God works through us, 
and God chooses his work in us and through us, you have everything you need to live out our purposes for God today. Everything you need. I just came back from my studies in Toronto, and our prof was just helping us reflect on Philippians 1.6 that says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The work that God created in you, the, God, the work that God began in you, he won't fail you, he won't leave you, he's going to see it through. Even when you think you can't make it, even when you don't see the purpose, even when you feel like you're at your weakest, God will carry it through in, uh, into completion until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Not because of our own strength, but because of God's strength. And you have purpose because God is the one working through you and you have enough grace to get through today. And some of us, we're not sure how we're going to make it through the rest of the today, but God has given us, he's assured us, he's promised us, and God's words are true that you are given enough grace to make it through today because tomorrow will worry about itself. But today, God has given enough. And he chooses to work through you and to give you this grace and this strength. And you've been saved we can't neglect this in this passage that you have been saved to do good works. Because some of us are struggling with this. We think, what good can I do? You don't know me. You don't know my, my gifts, my passions, my weaknesses. You don't understand what I'm going through. But we understand this in Scripture that when we've been saved, we've been saved to do good works. You were saved to do good. And this ought to wake up some of us who are idling. As John Calvin once wrote, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. Faith that justifies can never be alone. Maybe in the words of James found in James 2, 14 and 19 come to mind. The passage is lengthy and I'll read it for us. It's worth reading. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or, and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, what the, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. I want us to get into the idea here that it's not just about setting huge goals and ambitions for our lives, but what if we thought about ordinary, everyday faithfulness as what God prizes the most? As one of my mentors has been speaking and encouraged me, me the most, is that what if you're just called to be faithful in the small things of the everyday, the ordinary uh, faithfulness? What if that is beautiful to God? What if, that, what if those are the things that you're aligned to God? It's not just about doing more things. What if it's just about uh, being closer to God, as I've been saying? What if it's being closer to God in the ways that you parent and be with your family, be faithful in those small things, in your work, in your conversations, with your thoughts, in the times where, where, where you do things that are unseen? Like, those moments, what if we are talking about everyday kind of faithfulness? That's what matters most to God. Yes, we need goals, and we need to achieve and move towards them. But what if God works through us most in the smallest things? And I hope you don't hear me wrong. It's not about doing more things. It's 
If that's what you're thinking right now, I haven't articulated myself <laughs> very well, but I'm also afraid you've been mistaken. It's not about doing things. It's about why you do what you do and why you don't do what you don't do. It's about the heart. Because biblically speaking, there are different kinds of works that all actually kind of produce some sort of, uh, some sort of fruit, if we can use that word. There's like works of the flesh, there's works of the law, the works of darkness, the works of righteousness, where we think we can earn our salvation and do great things for God that can look great on the outside. But ultimately, all these things, they lead to death. They keep us busy. They may even yield results, but it doesn't mean that they're good. The work that Paul talks about here are different. And they have two simple characteristics. They're good, and they've been prepared. Firstly, the work God does through us, it's good. This work isn't good because the person is good, because again, it's a, salvation is by grace through faith. No one is good besides God. And this also isn't good works in accordance to what we think is good either. It's not good work as defined by how we think is good, but how God defines it as good. And how God defines something as good is when it's aligned with his will and with his good purposes. And we need to be honest. I have to be honest as I'm preparing this message, as I'm thinking about this year. We need to be honest with ourselves and ask whether we're honestly doing whatever it is we're doing for ourselves or is it for Christ? Is it really in line with who he calls us to be and what he made us for? We know we're in line, we're in line with God's will when we start looking to things above and set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. We know that when we're thinking of God and we're pursuing his will, that's when we know that we're in line with him. And when our desires and our hearts are connected with God in that way. And again, I want to I wanna demystify that these good and these good works doesn't have to be the hugest things and most significant things in, 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 in the world. Because we're talking about everyday faithfulness. Everyday faithfulness, whatever that looks like for you. As Gordon T. Smith in his book, Courage and Calling, he says, this good work requires of us an appreciation of the value of routine, ordinary, mundane rhythms of doing what needs to be done each day and each week, thoroughly and with care. Folding the laundry could be good work if you're doing it for the glory of God. Having a conversation with your young one, your little one could be good work. Having a conversation with a stranger on the street could be good work. Going to work could be good work. <laughs> Having coffee with someone could be good work. Resting and Sabbathing could be good work. Taking a nap could be good work. If all of it is in line with God, nothing spectacular, nothing extraordinary in those moments, but so in line with God's will, so in line with God's calling. And secondly, the work that God does through us it's also prepared. And that, I hope, can give us some peace. It's not only good, but it's also prepared. The work you need to do was prepared for you to do it before you even knew you had to do it. Not prepared by just anyone or anything, but by God himself. He carefully created you, knowing you and your weaknesses and your gifts and your strengths and your growth areas and all, and saying you are the one that's needed that I've placed for this job. And some of you are feeling out of place at this moment, and you're not sure what you're doing, and I encourage you to share that with someone and to pursue God's will and to pray through it. But 
oftentimes, if I may confess, I feel like I don't have it all together, and who am I to be in front of you preaching such a message? That I struggle with, 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 with this identity as well. Uh, that, that I struggle being kind of a fraud, being up here. Like, Doug, with all my weaknesses, everything that I go through, everything I struggle with, how can I be part of bringing God's word, his holy word? I, still, I feel so insignificant to do it. But God has this call, and I must step forward to bring it, not because of my own uh, strengths, but exactly because of my own weaknesses and because of my own shortcomings. And what you go through every single day, your own struggles, that's not a shock for God. He's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. You know, I didn't know you were going to struggle there. I didn't know he or she was going to get upset there. And, you know, all, you know the kids are going to push his buttons. I'm just thinking of a real example of my life yesterday. <laughs> or that work challenge at school, at work, that project you got to do at school. He's not shocked by them. He knows. But in those moments, he's like, are you going to lean into your own strength? Are you going to lean into the ways of the world? Or are you going to lean closer to me at this moment as I help you through it? And again, let's take that step a little step deeper. Not only is God not shocked, but we need to ask, why is it that you even see the things that you see in the world and the struggles that you struggle with? Why is it that you go through those those situations? Could it be that it's all part of God shaping you and God forming you and God drawing you closer? But could it also be the reason why you see the way, see the things of the world the way you see them? It's because that's the way that God has wired you. That God wants you to see them. That God wants you to see that exact pain or that problem that someone is going through, that's going through in the world. There's a reason why you notice it. Could it be because of the way that you're wired? That could it be that God's calling you and moving you towards that? That he wants you to notice that. Because why do you notice what you notice? Why are you working where you're working? Why are you studying what you're, where, uh, where you're studying? Why are you given the family you have or the friends that you have or the relationships that you have, the spouse that you have or the kids that you have? I believe with all faith that God has placed you there for purpose, on purpose, for a purpose and on purpose. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. And don't neglect that. Every single day when we walk through life, God ordains such moments. He ordains such moments for you and for me. So as I come to an end here, which part of this passage, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, describe you right now? Is it the passage about sin and death in the first few verses? Or is it the passages that talk about purpose and life? And maybe this is an easy answer, a question to answer, but which one would you rather be in? As we're only a couple weeks into the year, uh, I, I want us to end this time with a bit of reflection. You would have been handed a piece of paper coming in from uh, through a welcome team. This is a blank piece of paper. But if you have a pen, what I want us to do is actually end with a few minutes we have a couple minutes uh, here uh, with this activity. And you're not going to have time to finish it. But what I want you to do is to write a tic-tac-toe. And I'm borrowing this from one of my professors, Dr. Uh, Dr. Brown, <laughs> Dr. Steve Brown, in his book, Leading Me. He talks about this tic-tac-toe exercise where in these nine boxes, you write words or phrases that describe you at your best. Nine words or f- uh, phrases that describe you when you're thriving. It could be, 
nature. That could be a word. You got to be out in nature. Uh, it could be, it could be uh, with people. It could be in silence. It could be uh, having a meal. It could be uh, whatever it is. You write these phrases down. I'll give you a time to, um, to um, discern through this. It could be coaching people. It could be mentoring people. It could be praying for people. I don't know. But my hope is that you'll write these nine words or phrases down and rest of this year that maybe you could focus on these and that 2023 could, le- could be the year where you experience closest presence to God because that's how he's wired you. That's how he's created you. So I'll stop talking, write what you can, and then I'll pray for us. And then the worship team will come up uh, for a response. to answer such important questions. But as you take that home, I really want to take this seriously and reflect, keep it with you. Because whatever you write in these nine boxes, I also want you to put down a plus if you're currently doing those, whatever it is, or minus uh, if it's really far from your reality right now, or maybe blank, you're not sure. And I'm praying near the end of the year that there will be more pluses than there are minuses and blanks. That you're more aligned with how God has made you so that you're experiencing the thriving that our soul desires. So God, at this moment, I pray for all of my friends here. That Father, this year as we start off 2023, that we, our lives will be more in line with who you have created us to be. Father, some of us this morning are ashamed of parts of us. And Father, parts of us that aren't according to your will, that aren't aligned with you, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to align ourselves with you. You're not interested in behavioral change, God. You're interested in us being closer to you. So Father, help us to walk in step with you this year. Help us, God, to experience you, to be authentic and genuine before you, and to come at peace, Lord, with who you created us to be. And as we align ourselves to you, God, may we continue more and more to discover the purpose you have for us in the every single day. I'm excited, God, as we scatter from this place in the ways that you would use us, that you, Lord, are planting seeds of the gospel through our lives. So as we leave from this place, God, may we do even greater things than we could ever imagine for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.